You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris Style Podcast family. They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Yor and Shotgun Spratling. Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. I'm your host, Keely Yor, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Torino. We have a good show for you guys today. We're breaking down USC's 37-14 win over Colorado in Boulder. Chris, you and I were there to experience it live and in person. And Chuck, and you got the, the broadcast version. So I'm wondering if your analysis changes at all. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm so proud of you guys for making it and making it back. Thanks, you know, Dad. And not seeing Chris accosting Ralphie or anything or trying to ride Ralphie. I had to hold him back. At least on the broadcast version. I didn't see it anywhere. So good to see that Chris made it back. He wasn't arrested for accosting Ralphie because they're very particular about Ralphie. Yeah, there. they are. Did you know those people that run with Ralphie are considered student-athletes? Really? Like, not know that. I don't know. I forgot what they're called. Ralphie runners. I don't know. But they're actually like considered student athletes. Like there's a varsity and like. Are they on scholarship? That's the big question. I don't know that to be true, but I would assume maybe they have a couple like partial like baseball, a couple. Uh, you go. Where do you go scouting for those people? Or you just get a stipend? And no, it could be like a. That's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, do you go out and actually, you know, do you need to have a background in wrangling or is there like a ralphie recruiting service like a yeah. 247 you just go to bars and <laughs> see people who are on the like no you go to mechanical a, bowl thing like, no, you gotta go to the rodeo yeah <laughs> i didn't like think of it like that but yeah there's high school the rodeo. there's a rodeo there's rodian exactly. rodeoing <laughs> rodians or rodians <laughs> yeah for sure well we'll talk about that on heard it on the sideline we have some good ones for y'all today we also got to get it into stock up and stock down some stock neutral and no. <laughs> some questions we got and then Chris will jump in with some take it or leave it. As a reminder, you guys can email us your questions or submissions to the pod at familyfeudpod at gmail.com. You can also DM us, tweet at us, anything like that. We love hearing from you guys. Let's just jump straight into it. Stock up. Chrissy T. Oh, dang it. You knew this was coming, no, so don't act for the camera. <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> the I audio, it. the ear viewers, whatever you said. Stock uh, up. Who you got? I'm just going to go easy just because I want to get it out the way before anyone takes it. I'm just going to go quickly. This one's probably an ender, but I'm just going early. Parker Lewis, oh, yeah. uh, sophomore kicker. I believe we talked about it a couple times, but I thought I was really struggling in the fall camp. But he's come out, hit nine for nine, hit a career-long 49-yarder in the, the second half in Colorado. Very disappointed because... I predicted a 50-yard field goal. It just needed one oh, yard. Just so needed, close. Just needed one yard. Uh, one yard back. Needed a false start or something. Something <laughs> to happen. There are plenty of those. That's what I'd say. Uh, but yeah, went three for three. Nine, on nine, nine for nine on the season. He's one of 20 kickers nationally that are still perfect on the year. Um, so yeah, he's having a really good start to the season. And yeah, big, strong leg. I thought I would perform well in that uh, Colorado altitude and, you know, that that 49er had plenty of yardage left in it, so he probably could hit it from like 55 or something. The crazy part is he went 30, 44, 49, and the 31 was the one you're like, well, is that making it in there? Yeah. Like, I don't know if he slipped or what, but it you know it was a, a tumbleweed going over the, the goalpost there. He's now 39 of 39 on PATs as well, which is very underrated for kicker because – you know, guys just don't concentrate, and you miss one a season or something like that. But he's still perfect there. He's been perfect so far this season. I think he was, what, 9 of 13 last year or something. So his overall percentage is really good. And also, he's our kickoff specialist. And he's 20 of 25 on touchbacks this year. Uh, that's a really good percentage for you there at, at, at 80%. 
Um, and then last year he was 22 of 38. So that tells you he's gotten even stronger there and, you know, being more consistent. So uh, he's been terrific for them. You know, don't want him to be out there nine times because that means you're not getting into the end zone, um, especially some of those shorter ones that he's been kicking. But the 49 yarder, you know, that shows, you know, when you come down at the end of a game or something, you're going to have confidence in that guy to go out there and, and kick it for you. And he was named the Pac 12 Special Teams Player of the Week this, time, this week, first time for a USC player in three years. Um, yeah. And you know, what's crazy is in 2018, when USC, the last time they did win it, was the third time in their first five games that they had won it. The first five games of the season, they won Special Teams Player of the Year three times. Uh, Marvell Tell blocked a field goal against Arizona. He was the last one before that. Jay Tefele blocked a um, what would have been a game-tying or game-winning field goal against Washington State, if you guys remember that one at the Coliseum. Uh, close game with Mike Leach. And then Chase McGrath tied the school record with five field goals in the opener against UNLV. So, you know, they were doing really well on special teams at the beginning of that year, and then everything fell apart and has fallen apart for a couple of years now. So great to see Parker Lewis get out there and, and knock through, through three and stay perfect. You're such a wealth of knowledge, Shotgun. Just off the dome. <laughs> Random special teams facts. I wrote about these things, so that helps. Oh, that does help, indeed. I had stuck up an obvious one, Drake London. He was a beast, again, doing Drake London things. Uh, nine receptions for 130 yards, one touchdown. I asked him after the game, I was like, do your catches surprise you sometimes? Like, is that a thing that happens? And he said, yeah, actually, like, the, the one-handed touchdown grab, I, that was, it surprised me. I didn't know. And I know you tweeted, Chuck, and what he said on uh, Trojans Live last night as well. Yeah, that's going to be a hurry if you really wanted to. But he, he said he was laughing when he made that catch. He said because he lost track of the ball. You know, the defender got in the way. It was a hard back shoulder, and he just basically put his hand up where he thought the trajectory of the ball was going, and it just stuck there. And... I think that shows you how locked in he is right now. Um, just you know, an ability to make a play like that. Right, a couple plays after going up over a defender, he did that a couple more times in this game. Um, I actually had the London effect Ooh. on this. So Drake London, I mean, that's consistency. I mean, you could put his consistency up there. This was actually his fourth worst game or the fourth best game of the season out of five. So it was the second worst game if you want to put it that way. He had nine catches for 130. That's the the second lowest that he's had this season um, for you know reception yards because you know that's his fourth game with over 130 yards. It's crazy, um, but the London effect I think is stock up because you saw the Michael Trigg touchdown. That was partially Drake London. You know the safety staying over the top even though he's on the short side of the field. That wide open spaces. USC did a really good job in this game of playing really wide. Something that you see often in the air raid, but USC hasn't always done that. You know, they've they've stayed kind of more compact and played their, you know, outside receivers at the numbers or inside the numbers. This time they were really wide, just opened up a ton of space. And you see that that safety can't get over there. It's a single high safety look. They can't get over to the other side for a Michael Trigg uh, play right there. So it's easy one-on-one. You saw that, um, you know, the run game had an impact on that play as well. They brought an extra uh, defender into the box because they had had six the first few plays of that drive and they had chunk yard chunk yard chunk yards they bring a six guy so now you don't have a second safety back there to play over the top so that again opens up and this is the thing the London effect is having an effect on the run game where you see the, the Keontae Ingram long run the 53 yarder if you go back and look at that play there's a safety that is going to bracket Drake London and he gets out of his you know he's out of the lane and creates that big space for him to run and that's because of Drake London, because you're playing a guy underneath him, a guy over top. If that safety isn't playing a bracket coverage, 
he's there and at least has an, uh, an opportunity to make a play at about 10 or 12 yards. And that's still a good run for USC, but 53, that's what we've been waiting for in this offense. When are they going to break out with explosive runs? And that was the first time we'd really seen that. So I think it's, you know, all goes back to Drake London, how teams are trying to defend him. You saw on the Gary Bryant touchdown, yeah. obviously there's three defenders around him in that zone coverage, um, and, and Gary Bryant's able to get the one-on-one coverage. It's just opening up so many opportunities for other guys. And the fact that he's still making so many plays is so impressive. Yeah. Um, because – Again, they started out with man-to-man coverage, and then they went, and he had a bunch of catches early. He had five catches for 96 yards in the first quarter, so that means he had four for, what, uh, 34 yards the rest of the game. And that's because they had to change their defense coverage. They said, yeah, we can play man-to-man. We got trust in their cornerbacks, and they, they have some young cornerbacks that are probably going to be really good eventually. Christian Gonzalez, I think, has the size. He's a second-year guy. He's going to be really good, but not against Drake London, not at this point in his career. And they thought, let's try to play a man-to-man. And then they were like, that's not a good idea. Let's do something different. And I think that opened up the offense for everybody else. And that's the effect of having an elite player like Drake London can have, and especially when you combine it with a run game. When they run the ball, it just, you know, you go from being, all right, we just got to stop one player to, crap, they're just throwing everything at us. They're they're gaining yards in every different way. How do we slow this team down? And that's what we haven't necessarily seen from USC consistently. And hopefully – for the offense, that's what they can start to do better is to consistently create different elements that are difficult for a defense to defend, including Drake London. So then you're just on your heels the entire time as defense because that's what it felt like if, yeah. if you're watching that game on the Colorado defense. Just didn't matter what they did, USC was still able to gain a bunch of yards on them. How much of that was due to Colorado just being a bad opponent or USC starting to kind of get things in motion? It's a, it's a combination of both. I mean, Colorado's not good. They're not a good football team, but their defense is actually decent. Um, you know, Arizona State put up, I think, 35 points on them, but they had a couple of trick plays, I think, in there. Uh, so their defense has played pretty well. Now, how much is their defense just getting worn down from the fact they're on the field all the time, basically, because their yeah. offense can't do anything? Yeah. So I think that it's it's a combination there. It's not something to look at this game and think, whoa, USC's offense is finally clicking. They're finally figured it out. But it's a good step. You know, you take advantage of the bad teams. Now they should have still put up more than thirty-seven points, and that's partly leaving those. You know, yeah. getting three points instead of seven points. So those are things that they had actually been doing really well as far as their red zone efficiency uh, in the past few weeks. But in this game, you know, they they left some points out there. So we'll see how they go from here. Utah is obviously going to be a much different challenge because their offense will be able to hold on the ball for a little bit to give that defense a rest. And I don't think Colorado's defense ever fully had a rest in that game. Chris, what do you got for stock up? I had the Texas two-step with Keontae Ingram and Darwin Barlow. Obviously, USC had their best game of the season on the ground with about 218 (laughs) rushing yards, uh, the most since 2019. Uh, and a blowout win over Arizona. Um, where Alcacedir Ware had probably like 160 or so. Yeah. The Wildcat Killer. Yep. Another Texan. Who uh, was a part of a dynamic Texas two step. Yep. Uh, so, but the pro- obviously, Keontae Ingram, the first 100 yard rusher for USC this se- for USC this se- se- season. season. Oh, season. I don't know why Tongue-tie. that. Uh, with 124 yards. Darwin Barlow, kind of like the surprise of the that that game just kind of came on and just started getting carries and getting carries and getting carries. And, you know, outperformed Vi Malapai was the second leading rusher on that team with about 51 yards, a, a career high for him at USC or a season high uh, for him. And he looked very effective. He r- runs so effortlessly, but he also 
is so hard to tackle. There was a come where he a couple runs where he just bounced off a defender. Um, so that made up a really nice one-two combo right there. So looking like Darwin might be getting some more touches as the season moves on. And then Keontae is obviously the true number one back right now. It was interesting because, obviously, Mike Jenkins has talked about 1A, 1B. That's been a thing. That's been basically what it's been the first you know four games of the season. This fifth game, it was Keontae Ingram got half, so it was one, and then it was 2A and 2B. So Vivai Malpei and Darwin Barlow basically played the same amount of snaps. I think there was one difference uh, there. It was like 16 and 17. The carries, they ended up both with 10 carries each. Uh, Keontae has a couple more than them. So it's interesting how will that change going forward because Vi still the guy that they trust the most on third down, third and long. He's going to be in there as both uh, an option to catch the ball in the backfield and to block as well. Um, but running the ball, obviously, Darwin Barlow had a you know kind of a breakout game there. I think, and you know he, he made a couple nice runs, a couple runs where you look at it and go, just get a field, you know, on the right before mm-hmm. halftime. Um, so you, we'll see where it goes from there. I thought Keontae Ingram was terrific in this game. Uh, there was maybe one run where I was like, oh, you, you missed a, you missed an uh, an option that you had there that could have gotten more yards. But the explosive runs, just the consistent getting yards upfield, and you know, give credit for the offensive line for doing a, a big part of that and. Yeah to Drake London also for having a big part in that as well. Yeah, I was impressed by Dar- Darwin Barlow. I had both him and Keontae Ingram and just USC's run game on stock up. Um, I thought Barlow just adds a different element, and that's something that we haven't really seen. Um, we did see it in fall camp until he had that hamstring issue. What was interesting is apparently Mike Jinks said that Darwin was only 90% in this game, right? Yeah, uh, so seems like he's been, I guess... Initially, when he came back, he wasn't fully healthy, so they were kind of just like saving him. And right now, he's about ninety percent healthy, so he's getting healthier. Uh, but he said he felt good out there, so I'm thinking, you know, he, he's not even a hundred percent yet, so could be even more uh, good runs at him down the season. Yeah, yeah, he did play nineteen snaps the first three or the last three games. He didn't play in the San Jose State game. Fourteen coming against Stanford. Maybe he had a little tweak from there because he only played five the last couple games, and those were all basically in the two back set. He was kind of that was kind of his special package that he was going to be involved in. Um, and so when they called that, he would go in. But besides that, he hadn't you know, really got an opportunity. To like, hey, this is your drive. I think he said that to you in his interview was like he was a little bit surprised when, when Jinx came to him and was like, hey, you're going in. You got the next drive. He's like, well, oh, OK. All right. Let's go. Um, so it's great to see those guys when they get their opportunity to make the most of it. And I thought he did. Uh, another guy who I thought did that was only one play. But Maximus Gibbs, you know, pushing the pocket back, you know, at that defense, uh, that nose tackle position. It was interesting where he was lined up, you know, in their defense that they had. They had six. They had four down linemen, they had two outside linebackers, and he was on the edge of the down linemen. So it's a little bit interesting there, but it was right where the play was designed to be run to, and he made sure that the play couldn't be run there. Now, he didn't make a tackle. He didn't do anything on the play. The play was actually a touchdown. It was a one-yard run, but it wasn't because of him. He did his job. He pushed the pocket back. He pushed a, a tight end back, and then they brought a second blocker, and it was a little bit of a stalemate then, uh, but you know that's – Something USC's been missing, having that mass in the middle in those type of situations and goal line where you're trying to run between the tackles, uh, initially at least for Colorado, and then they bounced it outside and were able to find some space because the linebackers didn't really fill their their holes. But he did his job, and the fact that it's, what, five days after he first started at the position? Um, so that was kind of crazy, and it goes back to uh, what we said on uh, Tunnel Vision last week with, with Chris on the show was 
Chris asked me, he's like, what do you think about this? And I'm like, I don't think this is anything that's going to last. It's not serious. And then when he starts pushing people around, the strength that he has is what's been the most surprising to me. Yeah, He obviously has the mass. <laughs> Dante Williams said last night that he's, he's lost around 50 pounds, and he said he's still a solar eclipse. <laughs> so that tells you how big Maximus Gibbs is out there. And uh, you know that's something that USC obviously is missing with Ishmael Sopcher still hurt and the injuries that they've had at the, at the nose tackle position and the loss of Jay Toya in the offseason. This is a quick audible heard it, but I thought it was just really interesting to watch Gibbs' progression in practice over the week because on the offensive line, he's kind of just, you know, he's on – low on the depth chart he's kind of just there but as far as the defense when he would do drills or something the defense would just explode you know and, and guys were so happy for him and Nick Figaro was kind of showing him the ropes and so I just thought it was interesting how he kind of just it seems like he's found like a little new home over on the defense where guys are, are really happy for him so it was just cool to see in practice I had stuck up for Jake Lichtenstein and not only his first career sack but two sacks in the game against Colorado um I thought he was making the most of Nick Figueroa getting some limited playing time and I thought you know for a guy who was critical of his performance against uh Oregon State he bounced back and helped uh provide pressure even when he wasn't the guy making the play he helped guys uh get to where they needed to be so suck up for Jake Lichtenstein which and we all say big lick and I was gonna no, ask, I say big lick. you say it and so because you say it so much he was walking out of the tunnel or the, the locker room when I was trying to get an interview with him, and I almost called him Big Lake, and I was like, that would have been very weird. So thanks, Chris, for that. <laughs> Appreciate it. I had the entire defensive line. Uh, Lichtenstein, yeah. obviously, this guy, Dante Williams said last night, said he was injured last week and said he played through that, and you saw the success of that. And that's, again, I think that goes back to the culture those defensive coaches are really trying to instill of, you know, are you injured or are you hurt? Can you play through it? Um, and he said, hey, when you make a play, that pain goes away. And I, I think Lichtenstein didn't have much pain on Saturday because he's making a lot of plays out there. But also, Tuli Tuli Pelotu yeah. uh, continues to be a beast. He's not getting a lot of credit. Uh, this is the first game where he really you know, made an impact on the quarterback himself uh, with a sack and hitting the quarterback. And I think it still should be an interception, even though they ruled it a fumble. The arm was going forward, it looked like to me. Plus, interception looks cooler on Drake Jackson's line. But now he, uh, Drake Jackson obviously had a big game. Yeah. He, had, he had two sacks. Could have had another based on the score, the official score. He tackled a guy. It was about a half yard short of the line of scrimmage. And they gave him the line of scrimmage because it's the home scorer. Uh, so he could have had three sacks in this game. USC had, what, five sacks, I believe it was? Five sacks, yes. And they had two more that were zero the quarterback scrambled and got zero yards that was one of them so potentially seven sacks in this game so that shows you how much pressure they were getting Corey Foreman was getting in the backfield a little bit um, I thought Stanley Tafo continues to just do his job and that's what you're asking for out of that position and I thought the reserves when they came in you know the guys that came in in the back Dejon Benton had yep. the fourth down stop um, you're looking at Jamar Sakona. I noticed him, and you know, he only played a handful of snaps. And I was like, man, Jamar Sakona's making a ton of plays. And I was like, I was like, has he played much? But when I when I saw him in there, he was making those plays. And when I look, went back and looked, I was like, no, he didn't play a, a ton of snaps. It was just I was noticing almost every time that he was in. So that tells you a, a lot there. So you know the the defensive line as a whole was not good at all against Oregon State. They couldn't get off blocks. They couldn't stop anything. They got worked against Oregon State. What a bounce back, though, for them to take advantage because it was a ton of just just beating the offensive linemen. And Colorado has an experienced offensive line, which is probably the weirdest thing about them this year. 
is that they've got return a lot of experience on the offensive line. They've really struggled, and USC was able to murder them on the uh, with their defensive line in this game. So this is a shocking question I have for you. I felt like every time Thule lined up on the edge, a big play happened. Like him coming off the edge just helped everyone on the defensive line. Do you have any stats readily available to I mean, prove me wrong or right? <laughs> I mean, as far as him playing, as you know, when he widens out and plays kind of that wide nine position, he'll stand up. You know, I think there were I couldn't tell exactly. I'd have to look at it more in depth, but I believe that they were basing it on you know how Colorado was lining up, whether he would be a wide nine and be out a little bit further and a little bit more space versus Drake Jackson, and the other one would have their hand on the ground. Um, I didn't necessarily notice that when he was standing up on the edge and you know was farther out that they made a lot more plays. I thought they just they were play, making a ton of plays in general yeah. uh, when he shifted down inside as a as a defensive tackle when they brought in their dime package with Corey Foreman um, and you know three of those starters Corey Foreman taking Stanley's spot and then Tuli bumping down inside as their pass rush unit. I thought that they played really well in that that package as well. You know, getting to the quarterback and creating some havoc. The first sack came on that for Drake Jackson. So. You know, I just thought the defensive line bounced back in a big way, and I think that Thule's a guy that's not getting a ton of credit, but he's making a ton of plays. He's grading out really well. Drake Jackson, obviously, Thule's actually grading out higher than Drake Jackson because Drake Jackson struggled last game, um, and Thule's been more consistent throughout the season. But Drake Jackson now, he's getting the sacks. He's got a fumble forced that ended up being a touchdown. He's got a fumble recovery, and he, he almost spun away and took it for six. He's got an interception on the season. So he talked about this being his money year, and he's making those big-time plays uh, that change games. And that's what you need from your star players. And you notice when USC's not getting those plays from Drake Jackson, that's when they're, they've they been in trouble this season. Yeah, He's been kind of the ringleader. When he's going, the entire defense seems to be going. A talisman? <laughs> For the defense, sure. Look at that. Look at <laughs> nice. that. So this one I have could technically be a stock neutral, but I already have a stock neutral. Oh, <laughs> so this is a stock up. I said uh, stock up for letting Taj work with the ball in his hand. Instead of just jump balls to, and Chuck and you had this tweet in the middle of the game, 5'11", Taj Washington, it just doesn't work. I like using Taj, and Chuck and you've already been on this rant before on this podcast, so you can take it away because I know you'll do better <laughs> than I can. But using Taj... Ha- to his strengths rather than trying to kind of fit him in a role that doesn't fit. I mean, when he had the ball in his hand, he was able to like do his little Taj shifty thing. And so we haven't really seen him be able to utilize that skill of his yet. And I feel like we started to see that in this game. It's been a little surprising that they haven't used Taj more in stuff behind the line of scrimmage, get the ball in his hands, let him kind of, you know, use his vision and and try to weave his way through the defense. Cause that's something that he was really good at at Memphis. And so it's been surprising. They've done a little bit. They'll get the ball to Drake London. Drake London's going to break a tackle and pick up some yards with the screens. They've done the same with Gary Bryant, but they haven't really done it with Taj. So it was great to see them actually finally incorporate him in that way. But, you know, they threw three deep balls. They got one pass interference and two incompletions. I just don't think the way that they've taught Keaton Slovis to throw the deep ball is to just give your guy a chance. What Taj Washington, if you're throwing the deep ball to him, it's you got to put it out there perfect and let him run by some guys. Because there's times when he's got a little bit of a step. Now, it's not a you know a huge two-step Henry Ruggs type of separation, but if he's got a step, you got to put it out in front of him. Where Keaton's been taught, and rightfully so with the receivers they've had, when you've got a Pittman or you know Tyler Vons or Drake London is, throw it up there, make sure you give them a chance. Don't overthrow them. 
You, know, you don't want to overthrow Michael Pittman because he's going to go up and make that play. Drake London, same way. Whereas Taj Washington, it's different. You need to throw it in front of him. And because they've taught Keaton Slovis to throw that, and he throws the deep ball really well to those big receivers for them to jump up and make the play, then I think that it's not a great idea to throw it at Taj Washington. That's what they, they continue to do. Yeah. And maybe as a little bit of fool's gold, him making that catch against San Jose, they're like, okay, we can do that. Even though that was something we didn't really see in fall camp, yeah. you know, work out very well. And, you know, something that seems much more fitting to a Malcolm Epps or a Michael Trigg or somebody like that versus a Taj Washington. You need to get him on that post route, I think. That's something that I would like to see USC if they're going to throw the deep ball to him. They've done it with Gary Bryant, the touchdown, fourth and nine. They've done it with some other plays. But where you can throw the ball out in front of him, and if he needs to, he can flatten that route out. And if it's short, he can come and get it versus, you know, and, and be able to go get it instead of jumping up and trying to make the catch over a guy. Yep, so yep. that's something I would like to see, you know, incorporated if they want to throw that deep ball to him. To, to just try some different routes within there. And I, I like I said, I was, um, I would, thought it was really good for them to get him involved in a different way, especially after last week where he had a couple drops on yeah. balls over the middle and stuff like that. So, you know, give him that short pass, let him gain that confidence, let him say, oh, let me work and, you know, I make a guy miss and now my confidence grows and you go from there. Mm-hmm. My last stock up was Slovis in control. And I, I thought it was interesting how much kind of they put on him. Now they're doing the check with me's and some of that stuff is coming from the sideline, but he was the one a lot of times audibling between run or pass. He was the one looking out there and saying, Michael Triggs one-on-one, and it was a run play called. He calls the audible. Triggs said, yeah, I was you know, I was ready to run block and you know, get the audible, so now I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this catch. Can I get in the end zone? Which I love the confidence from the freshman. You know, yeah, I gotta, I'm going to make the catch. Now let's see if I can just get in the end zone. I wasn't sure about that part. Uh, but I just thought that Slovis had a ton of control in this game, getting to the side, and you know, sometimes I would still want him to run the ball when he's throwing those, and they're one-on-one opportunities, so I can't. Complain every quarterback wants to throw it out there to Drake London in a one-on-one chance, but uh, you know, just to continue getting that running game going is really big for USC. And I thought in this game he was really in control of calling the audibles and choosing when to throw, when to run, and a lot of that seemed to be on him. At least you know, like I said, from the broadcast view, you can't really fully know uh, without asking them in, in person or knowing all the calls yourself. But yeah. I thought he was in control of the game and you know commanded everything. And that's what you want from a third-year veteran guy who was a Heisman contender coming into the season. Mm-hmm. Going to make a lot of people mad, Shotgun. <laughs> Shotgun, why are you in love with Slovis? I get it. When's your anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Um, he missed... You know, he missed Gary Bryant on that first that first drive where they kicked a field goal, their second drive of the game. He throws in a triple coverage to Drake London. When I went back and rewatched it, I go, that looks really familiar. Oh, I'm like, oh, wait, that's Drake London's touchdown against Washington State where Jackson Dart throws in the triple coverage, but he catches it and, you know, the, the linebacker wasn't playing as far out for Washington State and linebacker Landman, which is why Gary Bryant was open, which is why you got to take that. That tenth of a second, if you can read it and see that Lamman's crossing really hard, yeah. and that's why Gary Bryant's going to be wide open. But it was like, wait a second, I've seen this play. And Drake Lennon caught it, and he got in the end zone for a touchdown, and no one said, why is he throwing it in triple coverage? It's because it's Drake Lennon, and he can make those plays. But that's the thing where Keaton Slovis needs to be better than a freshman, you know, because you have an option there, and, hey, if he catches that ball, he's going to pick up the first down. But can you read the defense better on your initial assess, then your initial assessment, and see that that you know, where Lamb is doing. He's an aggressive linebacker, and he wants to make big plays. So if you know that and you've studied that, you see you know where his shoulders kind of are and how they're angled towards the outside because you looked at Drake London first. That's when you go back to Gary Bryant. 
So there there are some things Keaton Slovis can still improve on. He's a college quarterback. That's going to be always the case. Um, but I, I did like the way he was in control of the game and kind of commanded the action for USC. Yeah, I would agree with that. Chrissy T, any more stock up from you? Um, I feel like I haven't talked in 30 years on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, I got enroll. Yeah, you, that happens a lot. <laughs> that happens. Um, I just very quickly had Josh Jackson. Mm. You know, Isaac Taylor Stewart wasn't available, did not practice dealing with that lower leg injury. Um, he suited up, but he was there for emergency uses only. But Dante said did not practice all week, and that's kind of his policy. If you don't practice, you're not going to really get play. Um, number 23, Josh Jackson, who I think has, you know, played really, really well this season at times. And, you know, he's come in as a, as a backup or, you know, replaced a starter w- when needed. Uh, this was his first start, and I think he performed really, really well. Uh, I think he only had, like, one really – miscue out there he, he left the guy open and he had to make the tackle for a first down um but you know got a critical pick there in the in the end uh set up the final score of the game uh big thank yous to uh raymond scott and uh can malga for not coming down with that <laughs> double deflection um keely you're the one to talk to him but yeah I, I thought he had a really nice first start and everyone in the secondary was very uh supportive of him and thought he did a really nice job yeah, he said he thanked the guys for not catching it. So <laughs> I, th- I think good. Nick Figueroa got a tip on the ball or the arm as well, which created that. So that's four four defenders and one interception. That's almost a team interception there. Maybe it was like a, the football gods were kind of making up for the San Jose State one because yeah. we got to talk to him mm-hmm. about that too after the game. He was like, I watched a film. That was an interception. <laughs> he was like, I know it was. <laughs> so so maybe it was a, a payback moment there. Sort of a similar kind of play to like diving really low for it. Redemption, even though – for the refs. Redemption. <laughs> yes. Alrighty. Shall we move on? If that's it for stock up. Okay. So stock neutral. I'm sorry. This is a real good one. <laughs> I had stock neutral. I'm just shaking my head. No, here. I think I can get I can convince you guys here. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. I had stock neutral for Michael Trick. Guys, they would just look so convinced right now. <laughs> Not convinced. Yeah, but yeah, I saw the nods. <laughs> not at all. This is why it's an audio mm-hmm. medium. I can fudge a little bit. Stock neutral for my Michael Trigg. First half, he does really well. First career touchdown. Uh, he has the most uh, rece- receiving yards so far as a Trojan. Um, he's getting used in this offense. But on the sideline, it's kind of a mix of hurt on the sideline. He's very excited with Drake London. Like they are, you know. Drake says that they're father and son. You know, they have a little bond there. And so when Drake has his uh, one-handed touchdown, Drake's going absurd on the sideline. Like, they're doing, like, uh, chest bumps, stuff like that. And Dante has problems with it. And then there's also that uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty where he kind of steps over the guy. What I saw was I looked up and and Trigg's just getting full-on tackled. And I was like, what just happened? Um, So I don't know how that wasn't on both of them. But So Dante was already not pleased. But then when you get to the second quarter... And uh, Trey kind of like puts the football out uh, to when he scores the touchdown. And he's a little like he has some bravado. Uh, Dante's not happy with it. You can actually see on the broadcast because he's celebrating so much on because people are coming up to him and obviously are happy for him. But Dante comes out and like puts him back on the sideline. And so Dante was not very happy with that whole like bravado thing. And Chuck and I remember you texted us, hey, Dante just said on the broadcast, we got to act like we've been here before. And I, I was like, I think he's referring to Trig because I was just seeing so much like kind of uh, tension on the sideline between the two. And we didn't necessarily really see Trig in the second half. 
And so uh, we saw him a little bit. I yeah, I saw I saw it on the rewatch, but we saw him a little bit. But I thought it was because he got hurt because he he extended for a play, um, and his he looked like he landed on his left hand pretty hard. So I asked after the game, like, what did you see from Michael Trigg to Dante Williams, and is he is he hurt or what? Like, what's his health status? He was like, he's completely healthy, and like, and he was like, he needs to act like he's been there before. But we saw some good things. So then I asked Trigg about it afterwards, and I was like, we didn't see you as much in the second half, and he was kind of didn't have any words to explain <laughs> why. And I was like, oh, when you I'm, asked him, he just smiled. He was like, I I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so the reason why it's stock neutral is because obviously those are good things you want to see from a true freshman tight end um, who we've heard struggle with the playbook a little bit in the beginning, starting to get a hang of it, getting more work in the offense. But if you're going to have tension with the interim head coach, that might affect your playing time. That might affect things. And now I'm speculating a little bit, but between me talking to Dante Trigg and seeing what I saw on the field, it seems like there was a little bit of tension there that affected his playing time. So stock neutral for that. So Trick played through the first drive of the second half, and then he played really late in the game. He played like three snaps on a drive. Um, so uh, that's why I like I, I missed him on that final drive, and I was like, "Did he get hurt? Is he, you know, is this a discipline thing?" And I was like, "Well, he played the first drive, so maybe not." But yeah, it was strange that he wasn't in there because of how much he was using the first uh, first half. You know, he was basically in. 85% of the time until the, the last couple plays. Um, so he got a ton of opportunities in there. USC is going to, his role is going to continue to develop at USC. And I, I think there's a fine line between allowing players to have emotion and have fun. And from everyone we talked to about Trig has said, you know, he's just a, he's a carefree guy. He's always having fun. And, and, you know, I I think I referenced him as kind of like a Dory Jackson in the past, you know, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always going to, you know, find the positive in a, in a situation. And I thought Dante's explanation of it last night on the Trojans live was interesting because he said, he's a freshman. I've got to, you know, nip that in the bud now, as far as him sticking the ball out. And he referenced a couple games this weekend where a guy, stuck the ball out too soon or dropped the ball at the goal line, which is, again, the dumbest thing in all athletics to drop the football before you get to the goal line. Dumbest thing in all sports. Um, but he said, you know, I've got to nip that in the bud right now, basically, since he's a freshman. He's young and he's impressionable. we got to, you know, make sure he's doing the right things now so that, the one, for when he continues to progress, that he's not doing those things as a junior or as a senior. But also for the next guy. So the next guy doesn't think, well, Michael Triggs doing it, so I can do that too. And so, again, I think that all goes back to the culture, you know, trying to do things the right way and whatnot. But it is, there is a fine line between letting your players have emotion because that's when players usually are playing their best, when they are playing with emotion, and making sure it doesn't go over the top. Yeah. In, but I don't agree with it being a stock neutral. In Trigg's defense, he literally hasn't been there before. <laughs> a college end zone for a touchdown. Or probably Colorado and definitely Folsom Field. So in his defense, he hasn't been there before. So he well, doesn't so you know how to act. act like you've been there before. Has he ever even seen the Rocky Mountains before? This probably Rocky not. Mountains. He said he was after the game. He said he was asked about the touchdown. He's like, I'm, I'm still shocked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, I want to know what happened with the sunglasses. Did oh, he do that himself? I heard it on the sideline. Oh, okay. I heard it on the sideline. <laughs> I know Chris is ready for this. Let's go into stock down. I imagine it's not too much. And we probably have similar stock downs. Shoddy, take it away. I'm going to start with something, since we've been talking about Dante Williams here. The sit-a-play tactic. Stock down. That's not working. 
you got to do something else, I, you know, saying, okay, we'll take them out one play. If it needs to be a quarter, if it needs to be a drive or whatever, they need to figure it out. Because especially in the offensive line, they've like tried, all right, we'll take them out of play and then we'll put them back in there. And the offensive line had at least half their penalties. So the offensive line did not play well. That's not a raucous environment there in Colorado on a Saturday at noon with the fact that it didn't seem like there were any fans in attendance outside of the student section and maybe the families. So, you know, when you get in an environment like UCLA at the end of the year, what's the environment going to be like then? Are you going to be false starting then? You got to be, you got to be much better than that. The holdings, the false starts, even though some of the, like one of the holdings, the holding on Andrew Voorhees where he's just like holding his guy down with his arm was a terrible call. But yeah. back to all reps, it's going to happen. Um, but the offense line, that's why I didn't have them all stock up because they ran the ball really well and they protected Keaton Slovis. He didn't get a ton of pressure, but you can't have that many penalties. So Dante Williams, he's tried to sit guys out for a play and you know tried to go with that, but apparently that tactic's not working. So I got stocked down for it. I there was a I think there was a false start on Nilon at one point in the game, and I was wondering, are they going to pull Nilon right now? Like that doesn't seem were, like it works. There were two of them that yeah. were. At least one of them was called on him, and the other there was at least one more that was, I don't know if it was called on him or not, but was his him, you know, checking the ball um, that caused the penalty. So I think he's the one guy that they can be like, eh, we're gonna the leave pass. the center. Yeah, but just then too it's much. like it's just too much. Yeah, but you're too important. Do you swap Keaton on a delay of game? <laughs> the, I, I thought the same thing when Jackson got one at uh, Jackson Dart got one at Washington State, but then uh, a couple of days later. Dante Williams took the blame for that one himself. He said he was trying to call timeout and oh, should right, run the right, midfield. Right. I feel like it also just creates more anxiety for as a player. Like you know, you'll get popped if you mess up. And that's the thing. Like in basketball, a lot of times some coaches want to say, you know, when a team has turned the ball over, they'll start taking guys out immediately. You turn the ball over, you're coming out, and it just causes that tension where, like, if you you don't want to mess up, yeah, you don't want you try to be too fine then. And that was the problem with USC that first half of the Washington State game, trying to be perfect. So, again, fine line. And this is the, these are the difficult things of being a head coach. When do you discipline people? How do you discipline them? Can you set an example? Or are you causing more stress on the team? And, and that's where I think Dante Williams is at right now is what can I do to change this penalty situation because it was terrible in this game, but is the sit-a-play tactic not going to be the way to do it? Yeah, similarly, similarly. It's always a hard one for me. Uh, I had penalties on Stockdown. Um, just key moments when USC could have had a higher score. I mean, Drake London said that he rated the wide receivers as a B, and I think it all goes to the same thing. They didn't. They left things on the table against Colorado. And Chris and I talked about it in instant analysis. If this is, uh, war, is if this, if Colorado wasn't as bad as they are, this might not be a win. This might not be as as easy win as it was for USC because a better opponent is going to take advantage of USC shooting itself in the foot over and over again with stupid penalties or stuff like that. Yeah, if Colorado was 2019 Colorado, it might have been a similar game as that where USC had a rally to win that game. Like That's that's how close and the thin line that it is in college football, but yeah, they got to get it cleaned up. Uh, and the other thing they got to get cleaned up is tackling. Tackling was I had that on bad again. Um, even though they're ma- they weren't giving up a ton of explosive plays outside that one of the tight end, um, which was a blown coverage, because there were three or four guys there and they were doing a great job of rallying to the ball. But 
first guy needs to be making those tackles instead of the third or fourth guy, um, including the one pass to the tight end, the little swing pass that you know he had four or five missed tackles on a single play that could have been stopped behind the first down marker instead was a pickup and then you know gives Colorado a little boost of energy after they see a guy break a few tackles and they score a couple plays later. Yeah. Shaka basically handled all my stock downs. <laughs> yeah, you both said both of mine. I just wanted to point out that USC has had 21 penalties for 213 yards in their last two games. Uh, their 150 yard, 115 penalty yardage from Saturday was the most since 2019 against Utah. And this was the first time they've had 12 penalties, which was also against Colorado in 2018. No one probably remembers that because no one, everyone erased 2018 from their memory. Um, but yeah, just some f- stats for you. He told me those when I was very, very tired. And I was like, cool. <laughs> Shadi, you have one more? Yeah, my last uh, stock down is two-handed touchdowns because apparently those aren't even needed. You know, Drake London is doing it one these days. Well and Garrett Bryant's looked like it was pretty much one. I don't know if he got the second hand on there or not, but that one looked like it was one-handed too. And that one was with a defender draped all over him. That was a heck of a catch right there and a bullet throw from Keaton Slovis. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't checked out Keeley's highlights on that one, you can really see <laughs> you can really see the the zip on the ball there because it's almost it's almost coming right at the camera. Yeah, I. I was Did you so flinch? Mad. I so yeah, I was mad at myself because I flinched. <laughs> but what happened was it wasn't the ball that made me flinch. It was because I didn't see Gary's route. And so when you're in the like little camera like zone and you hear the feet mm-hmm. and you're like, oh no, I don't know where certain people are right now. Am I about to get like smacked? That's what happened. And then I, I still got the shot, but I was like, Keely, you shouldn't have flinched. But yes, yeah, definitely check you it out. Flinch. It's two punches. What reference is that now? You know what that is, right? Some kid game. I don't remember. Yeah, right. wouldn't you? If you flinch, you get two punches. Oh, I thought this was a movie thing. No. I just assume it at this point. Alrighty, Let's move on to Hurt It on the Sideline. Chrissy T, I feel like you have a lot this week. Do I do them all at once? Or I, I, well, okay. I just want to do my first one because, again, I was in the press box and I'm Hurt It in the press box guy, I guess. But, you know, the Colorado press box announcer um you know starts the game with the uh this is a professional press box no cheering at all you know standard in every uh press box that you go to and then like in the i believe it was the second half um he comes on the the announcers thing or whatever and he's like very aggressive he's like hey this is a working press box cut it out with the cheering we have special guests up here. Cut it out. It was just and then he cuts it off, and it's like Shotgun would have loved that. Oh, it yeah. was it was very entertaining for me as someone who likes to uh, follow the rules. Follow the rules, <laughs> yes, and also like take in who is cheering. Uh, someone, not saying any names, directly behind me was getting pretty animated. I don't know, maybe he was the culprit, but it was just a very aggressive announcement. Cut it out. <laughs> Wow! I, he want I, he just want to drop some f bombs in there. You cut it out, you mother. <laughs> Love press it. Press box, damn it! One of my favorite things ever in a press box was at the College World Series, and the the guy who runs you know the media stuff kicking someone out for cheering. It was amazing. Wow! I, I hope to. It's either Ole Miss or Mississippi State. One of those. Wow! To hope to live that. He also the same person. Also, someone had a press credential. 
and had an extra one somehow. I don't know, someone from their work or whatever, but they brought their kid along with them. And he shamed the person so bad for bringing them along on a press credential. And he was just like, are you serious? Are you serious? Well, right yeah. Now? I need to meet this guy. It was awesome. Yeah, it sounds like it. And he was yelling at the kid directly. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> oh, but just seeing the shame on this guy's face because it's, I don't know, like six, eight-year-old kid or something like that. Poor kid. And the kid's just like, head. the kid's wide-eyed, like, I don't know what's going on. His dad's just getting kid. reamed out. It's awful. Deservedly so. Deservedly so. Okay. My heard it. Friday was insane for us. Chris and I traveled together. It was just a surreal day on all accounts. One of them because if you listen to Thursday's podcast, no, Tuesday's podcast, sorry, Chris's Heard It on the Sideline sponsor was Horse Hat, right? It was about like a dream, a premonition, now a premonition of Horse Hat. Horse Hat, baby. We saw so many people with horse hats while traveling. (laughs) It was insane. Like an absurd amount. Like he planned it. I was shocked. There was a guy on our flight with like white denim acid wash outfit with a horse hat with a feather on it there was it was not just cowboy hats but horse like there were horses on the hat (laughs) it was insane (laughs) yeah i saw everyone of the peristyle (laughs) on the plane okay he's stretching it a little bit but there were some doppelgangers there was skinny ryan there was definitely a ryan he looked at like a lot like ryan so that was weird there was colorado shotgun he had a bandana long peppery hair silvery hair there was a Gerard Martinez. There was a guy up front. He was just bald. I just saw the back of his head, but it looked exactly like Gerard. And then the Keeley was the flight attendant. He, blonde flight it's, attendant. It's a stretch. It's a stretch. No. All of them, like, perfect. <laughs> perfect. And then, you know, Chris reps Maryland very hard. Like, the Maryland suitcase. Mm-hmm. We traveled on Friday. Maryland. We were playing. We? We were traveling. Yeah, and you said we were playing. Oh, did I? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freudian slip? I was playing. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. And so he had, it was like some beacon signal. I have never seen so many Maryland people, like Maryland flags, things. Like we, and we were going to Denver. We weren't even like anywhere near Maryland. And we were seeing so many Maryland people to the point where we were on the shuttle. And this kid goes, oh, do you like Maryland? And Chris is like, yeah. And like the guy asked where he's from or whatever. And Chris after all the PG County boy he's read. She's exaggerating this. No, no, all, no. all he said was, are you from Maryland? And I said, yeah. And then that was it. No, 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 no. First of all. No, you, that was it. That was literally it. Yeah. But you've had this like whole brand on the podcast as this Maryland guy, PG County boy. I could tell he wasn't PG County. You he guys, was MoCo County. Okay. <laughs> I can sense it. I didn't need to, I didn't need to go any further than that. Okay, I could sense okay, that. I didn't but go you further. brag so much about how you guys have like a special handshake. Like you guys like are long lost lovers, like all the stuff. And you just gave this guy a head nod. And nothing else. You just it disappointed me. I gotta say, mm. I didn't sense the PG force in him, so <laughs> I just like you know, it's not worth my energy right now. I, we're very tired. Okay, but I'm just saying. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then to cap it off, uh, Friday we get to the hotel and we got there kind of late because we kind of explored downtown Denver. So I'm checking us in. Chris is waiting in the car. It's a rental car. And I'm asking the lady, like, hey, what's the parking situation? Because, like, it's kind of looks pretty booked right now. And she goes, yeah, we're super full. We're booked all the way. We have the UNC football team. (laughs) 
in the in the hotel like we're we're book full so wherever you can find parking and i was like unc that's weird they're, they're out here and she's like yeah it's book full <laughs> so i get in the car and i'm like this is really weird why would unc be out here playing football in in colorado and chris is like what if she just meant usc and i was like no there's no way so, so well i googled it like was you UNC playing Colorado State or something? Like, I don't understand. So I look at other playing Duke and I was like, USC football. <laughs> she means USC football. So we're like, maybe that's why Colorado looks so bad. They're just tired from playing yeah. North Carolina the night before or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we walk and we're still kind of like, eh, we don't know. It's kind of not in the, it's kind of in the middle of, of both Boulder and Denver. So we're like, what are the odds of this? And we're walking in, and it was just like the whole USC football staff just walking past us. We shared an elevator with Todd Orlando. Craig and I have our fr- straight out of the, the spinny... Uh, hotel door. Spinny hotel door. Yeah, it was a lot. Flooded with players when we went in. Yeah, it was a lot, and I was not... I was so tired at that point. I was like, this just feels weird. I felt like I needed to apologize. Like, I had no idea you were staying here. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it just felt weird. So, yeah, it was a very weird Friday. For us. Yeah. That's my hurt it. A I, lot of hurt it. I was in the desert, so. I know. <laughs> but you were there in spirit, Shotgun. Enjoying beautiful sunset, so. Yeah. Oh, wow. Chrissy T, I know you have more hurt it. Oh, uh, yeah. Just, I, I tweeted a photo about it, but like after player interviews, Michael Trigg, obviously, uh, first touchdown, big play. He was interviewed by the radio uh, team, so I noticed that uh, he was... When they do the radio, they usually like kind of stand off away from the media and, you know, just on the phone. And he was behind us, like under some trees or whatever. And a couple of his fellow freshmen, uh, Caleb Bullock, Prophet Brown, and uh, Anthony Beavers walked by and they started like uh, playfully. Uh, uh, they were like teasing him. Yeah, they had like their phones him. out. They were like, oh, let me get a picture. Oh my gosh. Oh Someone, my said, gosh oh, my, someone was like, my kid loves you. <laughs> and he was just trying to do the interview and he's like, uh, tell him to shut up or whatever. Like he's smiling and laughing about it, but they're like taking photos. And it's like, oh, you're my favorite player. Oh, was that was that Trig? Oh, MVP. That's Trig. Then so yeah. But uh, my kid, you're my kid's favorite player. Just like was great. That was like the great moment. <laughs> um, sunglasses moment. Hey, that was all him. He came out styling with the sunglasses. <laughs> I feel like and he's then done that before. I feel he, like he, he after has. Every game and he then comes out with the sunglasses. Um. Paul Goldberg was actually there. This is inside baseball, but he was there and he former USC SID. Yeah, and so he was like, "Take the glasses off." So then he <laughs> took them off, and he didn't restart his sentence. So then I was like, "Wow, I have to start like with him taking his glasses off in this interview." But I thought they were very like OC suburban mom glasses. Mm-hmm. Like he needs to drive like a Tahoe around. Like that's the vibe <laughs> I got. I don't know if I'm missing anything with the youth these days, but that's the vibe I got. What's interesting is, and you know, from your interview, um, you know, I posted the the video up with a story, and people are commenting like he's so Hollywood. He's got to cut the Hollywood out. That's been on the YouTube comments and stuff. And I think it's really interesting looking at it, and you can just tell he's, he's just a young, ebullient freshman. He's just full of energy, and you can see how much his teammates love him. Oh yeah, because it's not just you know what you saw on Saturday. If you remember the first time he had the media interview. You had Drake London and Malcolm Epps standing back there, yeah. and like Drake London's like acting like a little kid, like Drake, I love you, I love Drake. you, Drake. Yeah, and Corey Foreman too. Yeah, so it, you can see how much his teammates really uh, like this kid, and I think that you know the mistakes that he's making are just freshman mistakes, 
and he's super talented. And I think it's he's going to have such a bright future. Um, and that goes into my herd, actually. Um, I you know talked to Seth Dagey last week, and he said, I was talking to him about Trig and talking to him, is he going to be an inline player eventually? He said, yeah, that's what we want. Um, you know, We're trying to get him to be able to focus on something, one thing right now, and then we're going to eventually incorporate that as well. But he said, I think he's going to be a special player. He's an extremely confident guy just to begin with, but as soon as he gets on the field, it's almost like a flip switches, and anybody that's lined up next to him, he's trying to kill. That's what I love about him. So I think you'll see his role increase more, and I think you'll see more plays made by him, which obviously he did on Saturday because uh, this was the interview was you know before the game. But I think that tells you about this kid is that he's still he's still finding his way. You know, learn the playbook. He's basically been in. You know, when they split out the tight end, they have three wide receivers on the field. It's basically that one package right now. But he's learning more plays. He's being incorporated in, in different ways. They're you know trying to attack with him, and he's just. He's just full of life. And, you know, when someone else makes a play, he's super excited. When he makes a play, everyone is super excited for him. And I love the energy that is being that is emanating from him, I guess, um, whether it's his, his play that's being made or when someone else makes a play and how much energy he has around him. So I think it's something this team needs. Yeah. There's been too Especially often that, you know, there's just not that life all the time, not that juice. And he brings the juice for sure. Mm-hmm. And to tack on to your point, you had mentioned how Daigie said last week that, you know, if you look at the first guy who's congratulating people, it's Trey. Mm-hmm. And it made me more aware of like what was going on celebration wise this week. And it was a good week to do that because Trig was just one, very happy for everyone else, as we've seen. I've never seen a player get celebrated by so many players <laughs> on their first touchdown like I did with Trey. Like he obviously the offense was really fired up, but the defense, it was like a receiving line. It was like people were trying to get in to congratulate Trey. And, you know, for the comments like, oh, he's too Hollywood or whatever, if a guy has a bad rep in the locker room, you don't see that. You don't see Mm -hmm. defenders waiting for their moment. I mean, like Chase Williams and Greg Johnson had like this little pose. They were waiting for Trig to see because they were trying to act like, oh, you're so tough. Like it was just it was really cool to see how much I think he's just really beloved by the team. And you could see that after his first touchdown. So it was one of those things where I was on the sideline and could see it. It was just happening. So many people were coming up to him that it it was cool to see. I don't know if this counts as I heard it, but like got to see Ralphie run. Oh, that was fun. Ralphie's so much smaller now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I know you guys said it, but I was like, oh. Turnover Ralphie? Oh, <laughs> turnover Ralphie. Not quite turnover traveler. She's a beaut. He was he was so excited. You know, like me with Colorado Snow? That was him with Ralphie. <laughs> it was He was very childlike wonder. Uh, my final heard it um, came from Drake London during the week, um, but also what he said last night on Trojans Live, and we combined the two of them. I asked him... When he gets those one-on-one opportunities, what's his mentality? And he said, dunk on him. And I thought that was just a great line from a former basketball player. But it's true. He's just going up and snagging the ball. And it's like he's trying to you know, throw the ball down in your face on a dunk, uh, you know, just trying to slam all over you. And that's what he does on some of those jump ball opportunities. And the, the one-handed catch was, was ridiculous. And that goes back to Trigg being super excited on the sideline too for him. But then yesterday – um, and I thought of this because talking about Trigg bringing that energy, Drake said that last week Dante Williams challenged him. He said, "You're a captain. You need to bring. You need to be more of a vocal leader." That's not Drake. You know, that's not who he is. Um, he's not a guy that's usually going to be that. But he said this past week he tried to bring more juice to the offensive locker room. Um, and I think that you know Trigg is a guy that brings that naturally. 
And, you know, eventually as he matures and becomes a junior or senior, you might see him be a captain because of the way he brings juice and everyone rallies around him. But Drake London taking the opportunity and taking the, you know, taking that role, I think is really big for this offense because, again, we've been looking for that for, what, four or five years now, basically, uh, for someone to step up and be that guy on the offensive side. Maybe it will be Drake London this year uh, with Dante Williams kind of pushing him to do that. And I, I think that, you know, seeing him in the way that he – is beloved by his teammates. You see after that one-handed touchdown, same thing as Michael Trick's touchdown. So many people just waiting to congratulate him, waiting to have a facial, you know, eye-to-eye contact so they could give their facial reaction to the play. Um, I think that he's a, another guy beloved by his teammates, and he's a guy that commands that locker room when he does speak. So let's see if he can step up and be more of a vocal leader for them as well. Mm-hmm. My final heard it uh... – I'm just, it's already in an interview, but I just want to put it here because I feel like nobody really pays attention to some of the linemen interviews. It was just really interesting. At the end of the game, I saw uh, Liam Jimmins make a, a point to go find out, uh, find Chris Wilson, who's uh, Colorado's defensive coordinator, who was uh, Liam Jimmins' defensive line coach uh, when him and Nansen recruited Jimmins to USC. And I was just talking to him. I really want to talk to him after the game because I was like, how weird is that? to be like a six-year senior basically playing against your former defensive lines defense as an offensive lineman it was just like a trippy moment and he was very he agreed with that sentiment he was like it was really weird but he nice kid he wanted to thank uh Wilson for bringing him to USC and giving him the opportunity so I just thought that was kind of cool see that full circle moment and that's the thing when you get six-year seniors they've got a lot of history behind them I mean Chris Wilson feels like ages ago and yeah you know he was the one that he was one of the guys that was fired by Clay Helton when he took over as the permanent head coach, but Liam Jimmins was already committed to that class. So, you know, he Chris Wilson was basically fired a month before Liam Jimmins got on campus. So um, it is really cool to see him reach out and, you know, talk about his appreciation for that when, you know, Chris Wilson didn't coach him. You know, he wasn't like his, you know, wasn't hands on with him or anything, but he was one of the guys that wanted him at USC. And he was just thankful for, you know, him helping create that opportunity for him. So really cool to see, uh, really cool to, to hear that story behind, because uh, you were like texting, like, Chris Wilson, this is the same Chris Wilson from USC, right? Yeah, no, I knew I knew who it was. I just couldn't remember his name. I remember every detail. I was like, he had a son who was a tight end that transferred to UCLA. And like, I had all these details except for his name. And I was like, Keely, come on. It was in the game. And I'll give myself a little break there. Yeah, also, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot that he's there. Yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. Also, stock down. It's audible. Colorado weather. I wanted it to be colder. It was very hot. I was very, very hot on the sideline, and it was gross. That's all I gotta say. Okay. Yeah. All righty. We have a couple questions. We have a question from Skydiver in San Jose, who said, "Shotgun." While watching the game, it seemed like most of the time when Keaton moved the running back after the line was set, it was a running play. I saw this as a giveaway to the defense. Comments. Great insights into the game on the podcast. Keep it up. So this is something that you and I both asked the coaches about. Yeah, it was not always a run play. This is something that um, you know I noticed last week, and I said, okay, that's different. And I'm, I assumed it was because you know teams were really attacking where they would run because USC is mostly run outside zone. So wherever the running back is lined up, if the defense attacks the opposite side where the running back is going to be running, then they were able to outman USC, and that was the case. So it, it wasn't always uh, a run play. Actually, the first, uh, let's see, they did it on the second drive when they, they kicked a field goal. They, it was a 14-play drive. They did it about half the time. 
actually a little bit more than halftime. Like uh, I think it was eight plays or nine plays, and only one of those was actually a run. So they do it when they're passing. They do it when they're running. It's not you're not giving anything away by moving the running back and saying that that it's automatically going to be a run. What they've done though is that helps them get at first a picture of the defense. And then if the defense adjusts from there, I think you get a better idea of what the defense even is then. So it just gives them an opportunity to look at the defense and then move the running back down so that the defense can't pre, uh, prejudge USC's offense and be able to attack a certain area. And then you're also going to see, I think you'll see more of the pistol, which is what they're starting in. They're starting in pistol and then motioning the running back to, to the shotgun. They use that a couple of times in this game. The first time, was Keontae Ingram's 53-yard run. So that was the first time they broke that out, and they used it a few more times after that. Um, but I think that's something you'll see a little bit more as they progress because that'll give them an opportunity to run in between the tackles a little bit more, which is something they haven't done a ton of this season because even with their inside, I mean, their outside zones that they're running, occasionally the running back will put his foot in the ground immediately and go straight upfield. But oftentimes you're going outside to the edges and stuff. And certain teams you're going to want to run downhill a little bit more and attack their defensive tackles and stuff. So I think it's just it opens things up a little bit more for this offense by starting that running back back in pistol and then you know motion them. The only thing that it takes away from the one negative is if you want to go really quickly with a hurry up, then you're probably not going to do that. You're going to just start the guy in shotgun and then go from there, which they did at times too when they want to do hurry up like right before the half. Darwin Barlow, I think the first play where the clock stopped, they motion him. But then when the clock is moving, then he just started shotgun. They go from there. So they kind of mixed it up both back and forth, but it wasn't anything. There's not a real tell to whether they're going to run or throw off of it. And part of that is because Keaton Slovis, often it's a run pass option. There's a run going one direction. There's a screen set up on the other side or a short pass or a one-on-one route. Um, if they have that one-on-one matchup, there's a deep ball that they're looking at too. So, uh, like the the big hit that Keaton Slovis took, uh, if you remember that early second quarter, maybe first quarter, that one was actually a run play. And it, if he would have ran the ball, there was a pretty big hole there. But he saw a one-on-one matchup, and that's part of the reason why he got hit, because he took an extra half a second to let, I think it was Taj Washington, get to the end zone. And you know you had a pulling lineman at one point, so that just opens up a hole um, from the opposite side of where you were, you're going to be running the ball. You're kind of leaving a guy unblocked. And so that's why that happens. So... But there's run pass options on those plays and different things like that. So there's no real tell necessarily there. We have a couple questions from Jarrett from San Clemente. He says, uh, it's a couple personnel topics. First one, what's keeping Corey Foreman from playing every down? Vic Soto and Todd Orlando have kind of mentioned this. You know, it's just about the playbook and him being trusted um, outside of, you know, his third downs, pass rushing rushing, uh, opportunities. You know, they want to be able to trust him on first and, and second down to be out there, you know, and that's why, I mean, Nick didn't play as much last, uh, this past week, but that's the example. Like Nick knows where he's supposed to be. Nick knows all his assignments. He's, he's going to be consistent when he's out there and that's where they're trying to get Corey Foreman to be at. You know, he's still a freshman. He's still, you know, coming off a year where he didn't play, you know, pretty much, I mean, unless you're counting the club season, which I don't because that was just atrocious football. <laughs> Um, yeah, still, you know, kind of shaking off that rust. So, you know, still a long way to go before he consider, you know, an every down defensive lineman out there. And he's getting a drive here and there, maybe one or two a game, uh, the last few games on the defensive edge. But 
who are you going to take off the field? That's another thing. Yeah. Your two best defenders right now are Tuli Tulipolotu and Drake Jackson. Those are you would have to take one of those guys off, or you move Tuli inside, and then you're taking a nose tackle off, and you're getting much thinner on the line, which is what they do in those pass rush situations, which is why they can put Corey Foreman on there. Um, so it, it's it's kind of partly that other guys are making plays in front of him, the two guys that are playing the position that he plays, and the coaches want to see him consistent in practice. They want to see him out there practicing every day and showing that he's not injured, and that was one of the things that was constantly brought up is that he's banged up, he's banged up, he's not fully practicing, blah, blah, blah. And so they're not going to give anybody extra opportunities until they're showing that they can do it in practice, and you got to be able, you know, you got to be healthy to do that. So that's part of it. And, you know, I think part of it also is just, you know, with this defense, they're not putting five or six down linemen on the field at times. It's going to be four guys. It's going to be two guys with their hand down. But Corey, if he just continues to make strides, he'll earn more and more opportunities. Um, so I think that it all plays in that. And it was kind of, I was kind of curious thinking watching this game is like, especially in the first half, you go, do you want to get more guys opportunities? Like, hey, we're dominating this team. Let's sub in somebody else. Let's get Kalen Bullock some opportunities. Because he didn't play very much either. He hasn't played much in the last couple games. I have a question about that. And Or do you want to say, we're stuffing them right now. Let's not change anything. It's not like those guys are getting a ton of reps out there. You know, They're not on the field a bunch. They're not really winded. Let's just stick with the starters. And that's, that's kind of hard to make that determination um, as a coach. Some coaches just want to dominate. Other coaches, like, this is a great opportunity for development. But then if you give up a play and there's a little bit of momentum and a little bit of mo- – and that's how games can swing really quickly too. So it, it can be a difficult thing there. But I think that's part of why Corey wasn't getting extra opportunities in this game is because Thule and Drake were dominating. To throw in my own question here, what were your thoughts on keeping Keenan in for as long as they did? That one was a little surprising to me. Yeah, um, And partially that might be – if you have Mo Hassan, maybe you throw him in there. But with the red shirt rules, mm. maybe you're trying to save that extra year if you need be, uh, because with Jackson Dart and Miller Moss having two quarterbacks in the same class, you want what you want to split that up yeah. if you can. You want one of them to end up red shirting a year and the other guy to be in front type of thing. So uh, we'll see. Uh, you know, if that had anything to do with it, I'm not sure. But I, I think that. That would be the the thing that would catch my mind because it's not like he was out there throwing the ball a bunch and hey when you get more rhythm, um, but maybe they're just trusting him to make the the calls and you know which way to run the ball those type of things. Not sure, uh, but it, it was it was interesting. I did go hmm, yeah. It was really more surprising to me to see all the older offensive linemen in there for that final drive. There was no Cortland Ford and no Jonah Jonah Monheim. Neither one of the freshmen on that final drive. So that was kind of interesting to me. You had Jalen McKenzie and you had uh, Andrew Voorhees kicked out to left tackle with Justin Needich in there. So interesting, I guess. They did use some of the reserve receivers and stuff, but it was just, I was kind of looking at it and going, hmm. Yeah. Seems like a good time to get an Andrew Milik in there or, you know, mm-hmm. somebody get some extra reps for those guys. Yeah. Okay. Jared had a second question. He said, collective opinions of the linebackers and any development update on the freshman linebackers? Collective opinion is that this was their best game. Um, they have not played well at times this season. I thought Raylan Goforth was flying around, making a lot of plays. A little too much. <laughs> Hitting too much with his helmet, yes. Uh, but even before, I think he ended up being the second leading tackler, even though he missed pretty much the entire second half. So 
that tells you that he was flying around and making a lot of plays. And that's what you need out of this defense is the linebackers going to be making more tackles instead of the safeties, which have been leading the team in tackles the first few games. And he has one final question. He says, Caleb Bullock tape versus Isaiah Polamau tape. Does seniority and captaincy roadblock Bullock? I think there's more than just the play itself. There's getting people lined up. There's all those other things. There's the leadership on the field, just being able to tell other guys what to do, what their assignments are. I think that probably all plays into it, though that is one of my questions is how do you get Kalen Bullitt more involved because obviously we've seen how much of a playmaker he is. In the last two weeks, he hasn't played very much at all. Hard to knock off a three-year starting team, two-time team captain out of the secondary. Yeah. But they, you know, when they went to their pass rush situation this game, they moved Chase Williams down to that linebacker role, like he played against Washington State, and they brought Kalen Bullock on. So they took a, they took Kanai Malga off the field, which third and long situations is what's Kanai Malga's strength? It's stopping the run, it's being in the box. So I think it's a great idea to do that. They went with more dime instead of nickel in those situations. So uh, they're they're trying to keep him involved in different packages, but and that package wasn't used a ton in that game, and you know there. I would like to see him get a drive at least, you know, even with Isaiah Paul Mal, he He's a special player, reminds me of Adoree Jackson, Iman Marshall, those guys you want to get at least a drive and let them get some experience as the game progresses. All righty, well, that wraps it up for a quick question portion this week. Chrissy T, it's time to toss it over to you. It's time for some take it or leave it. Wake up, Chris. Wake up. Mm. <laughs> Morning. Keely, we're annoying, right? Yeah, we are. And whoa, you being the head honcho producer of everything that goes on here from podcasts to live shows to emergency stuff sometimes, you feel like sometimes you would need help, right? Sure. You would need help controlling the likes of Sir Sir Shotgun here and Mr. Ryan Abraham at times during these things, right? Some wrangling would be nice, yes. Some wrangling would be nice. Well, thanks to our, our... real fake corporate sponsor for this week. Uh, SoundCloud has you covered with this new uh, playoff music app to help when things are being drawn out. When things are going on too long with the ramblers. Okay. (laughs) And the the people like to go on a little bit. Okay. Sometimes I watch Tunnel Vision where I'm doing calls. I can hear you just like silently doing this yep, i can just hear I, I can hear a little bit you, you need a you need a nicer way to do that you a more can hear efficient me silently doing that That's yeah great. you know what, some, doing what <laughs> doing this dragging on you know someone dragging on the live show a conversation in a coffee shop that's going on way too long thanksgiving with relatives Ugh. <laughs> this app analyzes the breaking point for you and gently gives them <laughs> hints you know, that this is the time to okay. like, let's go. Nice. I like it. Uh, so sh- I just want to demonstrate the app live. So Shotgun, if you would please, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on USC's chances to win the Pac-12 title? If you could, can you help me out real quick? You want me to talk so yeah, that you yeah. can cut me off. Why would I ever do that? Shotgun, I need you to talk about, it needs to be something like really, really <laughs> yeah, minute. I need, I, need you to, I need you to get into The Pac-12 the- South is in shambles right now, especially after Arizona State's Went over UCLA. I don't know if you guys caught any of that game. UCLA played like boo-boo again in the second half. Won a game that was a three-point game at the half. Could have easily been Turning on the quality <laughs> quality matchup. Instead, it became a blowout, which is surprising because Arizona Analyzing. State looked so bad last last time, two weeks ago, mm-hmm. when we saw them against BYU. It's got a cool little meter that's kind of <laughs> reading in. It's 
really cool. No, keep going. I wish it would go a little faster, though. Yeah, no, it's going. Okay. Colorado is obviously trash. Arizona is trash. So what is going on here? Wow. What is this? You want to wrap up anything? You want to wrap up your point a little bit? It's like inspirational wrap up. It's and gently so, letting you down like, let's go, let's wrap. And rest. the South is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Thank you. See, he's, he's not talking anymore, That's as you true. can see. So thank you. Uh, thank you to SoundCloud for this great new app. Uh, we have the beta versions on our phone. New one will be released uh, later this month. Um, so take control of your chatter boxes and leave them drowned out respectfully. Mm. SoundCloud. Mm. Tell your cousin to stop uploading his music. It's trash. <laughs> like Colorado and Arizona. Exactly. Wow. So will this app be working throughout our segment? Or is, was that just a... Uh, that was just kind of... I don't have it really set up right now. That okay. was kind of a janky setup. <laughs> okay. um, but we can get it on for future live shows. Okay. Uh, but right now, I just want to jump in some take it or leave it. Some corporate Go for take it. it or leave it. Go for it. Wait, who do you guys think is going to win between Arizona and Colorado? That's Colorado's next game. Colorado. Will anyone want to watch that game? Will it be so bad that it's good to watch? Yeah, I think well, so. I think there's a little bit of appeal there. Yeah, Pac-12 so after bad that it's good. Yeah. Also, this is my official. This is I forgot to say this during stock neutral because that's the last time I said it on the pod. This is my official mea culpa for messing up how the Pac-12 works because I said it was by division and it's by conference. And so thank you to everyone who pointed that out to me because I forgot. So sorry about that. Apologies. All right, let's get into it. Darwin Barlow will finish with more rush yards than Vavai Malapai. Ooh. I guess I'll take it. Okay. It's going to depend on which one gets hurt. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> really? What it is? Okay. Running backs always get hurt. Somebody's gonna, somebody in that running back room is going to get hurt. They've gone five games without a true injury. So, well, great. Thanks, Shotgun. I'm sorry. That's the he's, way it works. He's taking it. I will take it as well. Okay. Michael Trigg will have two 100 yard receiving games this year. That's tough too. I'll take it for the sake of it. I'm gonna leave it. Why? Seven games. Two out of seven. It's going to be tough. Just a couple big throws. True. Could absolutely do it against Arizona. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, he if he doesn't get called for the pass interference, he gets 20 more yards. He's still 30 yards short. So you're going to have to get four to five catches a game. Are you talking about Saturday? Yeah. But it also didn't really play the second half, so. just need, Just needs, like, two big catches and then – Go from there. I mean, as much as they're targeting Drake London, it makes it that more diff- much more difficult to for anyone else to get 100 yards. This won't be the last 200-yard rushing game for USC this season. Take it. They still play Arizona, too. I'll take it. Yeah, that was good. At this rate, you feel more confident about USC on the road at Notre Dame than at home against Utah. In terms of like performance, not this, necessarily this winning. This is great bait. This is great bait because I have specific <laughs> thoughts. Chris is reeling it in. I have specific thoughts about Utah it. at home and USC on the road at Notre Dame. Like that. That's like my. I have like specific thoughts. One, Utah's powers are always zapped in the Coliseum, but USC also had a historic loss to Oregon State, and Notre Dame just lost to Cincinnati at home. And I always think that. USC's powers are zapped at Notre Dame, 
This is horrible. This is this is, <laughs> this is sent up to tea then. This is Tea City USA. No. Ah. No. I I'm You're leaving I, it. I'm I'm leaving it. I okay. I'm going with precedent. I still don't think USC can go into Notre Dame and do something in South Bend. I'm gonna take it. Oh, because I think Cameron Rising is a better quarterback than Jack Cohen. I don't disagree with that. Even though he didn't win the starting job to start the season. It's because he's rising as a starter. The fire rises. <laughs> what was that? Bane? Oh, <laughs> I have seen that. Apparently not. Uh, <laughs> Max Gibbs will not return to the offensive line in 2021. Ooh. They're thinking about it. They're, they're, I'm going to take it. I feel like they've been stumped a lot. I'm going to take it. Okay. Dante Williams called it a week-to-week thing. But I feel like it's going to be a year-to-year thing. I'm going to take it because they can bring back all those linemen if they want outside of Liam Jimmins. I don't okay. know if they're going to bring back all their fifth-year juniors, technically. And finally, Drake London would be a Heisman contender if he played for any top 15 program. Oh, you asked me this. This is a pre-pod question. I'm leaving it. That's his. That's his. That's his right. That's so his you right. Said, you said Heisman. Heisman contender. Like f- he'd be getting Heisman buzz. I f- shotgun always has the thing that it's really hard to get Heisman buzz if you're a wide receiver. True. And I agree with that. And I feel like the only way you can is if you're on Alabama. So I'm gonna leave it. We are coming off a little bit different precedent though with Devontae Smith winning last year. But since you said any top fifteen team, like if he's on Cincinnati, I don't think it's happening. That's what I'm saying. Like if he was if he was on Alabama's team, then sure, yeah. I think anything would happen. Yeah, he depend- could sneeze and yeah. be on a watch list. But I, I'm going to say leave it. Okay, that's your choices, <laughs> and that's it. Definitely the Belinikov front runner right now, though. So. Yeah, that's too easy. <laughs> I just said definitely. I didn't say it was a take. You it think or I'm leave putting? It. I didn't say it was a take, take it or leave it. Leave it. When we got a great-ass sponsor in here today, you think I'm doing that? No. Let's jump into some fun ones. It is October. Spooky season. Uh, I don't have... They're all on the same thing. I'm just going to... I found a couple of pumpkin-spiced products, and I just want you to take it or leave it. Okay. Pumpkin spice deodorant. (laughs) Leave it. Leave it. Hmm. I'm not going to take that. Pumpkin spice hand soap. Oh, take that. Leave it. I like some festive soap. I feel a theme brewing over here. <laughs> Witches brewing over here. Pumpkin spice pickles. Oh, leave that. Leave it. Oh, I thought you were going to say yes. <laughs> I think you're just going to leave all of these. Yeah, because he's pumpkin like, spice Kit Kat. Take it once, leave it the rest. Leave it. What? I want to taste it and then leave oh, it. Okay. Leave it. You're not taking anything. I don't like pumpkin spice. I don't oh. like pumpkin. Carved pumpkins. That's it. You don't like pumpkin? Oh, nope. pumpkin spice Twinkies. That's what it is. Leave it. I'm going to take it. I'm intrigued. Can you eat Twinkies? No. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't drink coffee, so I don't need no pumpkin spice coffee. Okay. Twinkies. That's what it was. Okay. Okay. Uh, that wraps up. Take it or leave it. Thank you. Uh, wow. That was so short. And one question mark. Again, if you don't, if you don't summon it correctly, then it's not happening. <laughs> This is like if you don't if you don't put in the uh, sorcerer stone. If you don't put in the correct, and what? 
Ooh, yeah. I heard that the other day at basketball practice. Did you? You need to record that just so we oh, can use yeah, it. Oh, yeah, a little sound bit. Sound drop. So I saw this story about... Story. Like, it was a 25-year anniversary about people in San Francisco who got uh, a specific Mexican restaurant tattooed on their mm. body. Oh, there's a documentary about it. For free uh, food from that restaurant for life, I believe. So my question is... I'm not giving you the option to opt out of it. So you have to get restaurant? a restaurant or eatery tattooed on your body and you get uh, free food for life. So where, what are you getting and where are you getting it? But, but where, what you're getting, I mean like what eatery you're getting. Is there like a price limit on this? What do you mean? Like can I get mattress tattooed on me and just walk in? Mastros, um, do I have to still get a reservation or do I just walk straight in? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't well. think it works like that. <laughs> oh, um, I will pick and choose these restaurants. I don't think you can get Nobu upscale restaurants okay. are not offering this kind of deal. Okay, so we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna cross out the the Ruth Chris's and okay. Nobu's okay. and of the, of the world. Well, does, anyone who knows me, does it have to be a chain? Uh. Not necessarily. It could be a local place. I don't think this place was a chain. Can I have a one A one B answer? <laughs> My jinxes right Maria. now. Yeah. You already right, regarding this. Uh, what do you mean one A one B? Like you want like two? You guys like, are gonna are hate my first option, so I'm gonna have a second option. Oh, okay. <laughs> Is it uh, a pollo loco? No. <laughs> I've been there in a long time, Chris. I'm gonna have Ruby's. Oh. <laughs> Ruby's Diner. Shouts to Ruby. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to have that tattooed on me. Get the fries, the burger, the milkshakes, dietary coke. Hello. So great. And they put real cherries in it. Anyway. Good luck when you're hungry at Saturday at 8 p.m. I'll go to Ruby's because be they're close. open at that point. Thank you very and much. And where are you getting the tattoo? The bottom of your foot? Well, I have to show them my tattoo, right? Yeah, you have right? to show them your tattoo. Maybe like the inside of my arm. The forearm? Something. No, that's too intense. And you're just getting the logo? I don't know. I'll think about it. Also, my one B is Leo's taco truck because that's delicious. And I can just swing by and be like, taco me. <laughs> taco me. Yeah. Taco me. Yeah, exactly. That's what it says. Taco me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can't decide whether I want a neck tat <laughs> or a tramp stamp. <laughs> oh, yes. Tramp stamp of Zaxby's, <laughs> the bird. No, I'm going to get Taco Bell because you've seen Demolition Man. You know that Taco Bell is going to survive the restaurant wars. So they'll still be there. All these other restaurants will be gone when the apocalypse comes. Taco Bell tramp stamp seems fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So that's your answer? Yeah. I thought you were going to say Zaxby's. There's no Zaxby's out here. Yeah, but what if you travel? Then just flash that. That's the thing. Like Taco Bell's everywhere. So I can get free food. He's That's practical. fair. He's practical. He is practical. I travel too much to get Zaxby's or to get Spumoni's and Sherman Oaks. That would be my spot for getting some local. But, you know, you can't get in and out. You go to the East Coast. You just got a wasted tattoo now. You're gonna, are you going to tat over it? Get a cover up of then Whataburger if you move to Texas? I mean, Chris, play the music. Play the music. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Well. So I'm going with Taco Bell. Okay. Neck tag. Just okay. A neck. What? What neck is tag. it though? Is it like it's just a the logo? The bell. The bell. Alrighty. Chris, can I take the torch Ooh, back? Maybe I just get a tattoo of a Baja Blast. Since <laughs> it's only allowed at Taco Bell. Mm. That's all you're allowed at Taco Bell. It's only sold at Taco Bell mostly. <laughs> it's all I'm allowed at Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only love you have. It. 
Alrighty, Chris, anything else you want to add to this podcast? I think that's about it. I've done my damage. Yes, you have. Thank you. Alrighty, gentlemen, USC taking on Utah in the Coliseum. (laughs) I hate you. (laughs) This is so stressful. How do people finish their their speeches? Um, It'll be a 5 p.m. start. Excited for a normal start in the Coliseum-ish. Um, I don't know what else to say. That's stressful. Okay, Thank that's going to wrap it up. Thank your parents. Thanks to my mom <laughs> and my dad for getting me to this podcast. <laughs> that's Shotgun. That's Chris. We I'm Keely. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats.